right. Welcome back, everybody. Tobin and Leroy here with you on 560 WQAM. Very excited. Going to talk to Mullins manager Skip Schumacher here in just a minute. Give you some quick headlines brought to you by the new Palmetto Ford Truck Supercenter. Why buy your truck at a car store? Palmetto Ford. We know trucks. Uh, Mullins, the uh, the Heat, they're back in action tonight. They're taking on the Pacers. Tip-off set for 7.30, 6.15. Your coverage gets going here tonight on WQAM with preheat. No Kyle Lowry, no Big Yurt, no Victor Oladipo. They are all out with injury. Orlando Robinson and Gabe Vincent, they are probable to play with their injuries. LeBron James became the NBA's all-time leading scorer last night. So those are your uh, big headlines out there. But let's head out to the Toilet of Hollywood guest line. Shop over 1,500 toilets indoors in one of America's largest showrooms at Toilet of Hollywood on 441 between Hollywood and Sheridan. He is the new manager of your Miami Marlins who have their Fan Fest coming up on Saturday at Lone Depot Park. So go check that out. We talked to Jeff Cohen on yesterday. He's got some big announcements. He wouldn't tell us, Leroy. He wouldn't crack yesterday with his big announcement. You know, I was I was disappointed that yeah. we couldn't get that out of Mr. Mo- yeah, I thought we could. I thought we could crack him. I thought we could crack him. But let's I mean, talk he to- said he didn't know. He didn't know. Yeah, he knows. He knows. Uh, Skip <laughs> Schumacher joining us here on the show. Uh, Skip, thanks so much for the time. Do you know Jeff Conine's big announcement, Skip? Uh, can we get it out of you? I have an idea what it's about, but you're not going to get it out of me either. Coming out, Skip. First of all, congratulations on on getting the job this off season. And uh, it, like, were did you when you get went into this process? Were you nervous? Did you think you had a chance? This was going to be the the cycle. You're very young. Uh, one of the youngest managers in baseball. Like, did you think like I, I'm gonna I'm gonna get it this time around? I'm definitely gonna nail a manager job. You know, you really have no idea what's going to happen in these interviews. Um, I've had a couple of them before in the last few uh, seasons, 2019, 20, and 21, um, but you don't know how they're going to go. And the other ones, I think, really prepared me for this one. And to be honest with you, I'm, I don't know if I would have been ready for the other managerial positions because I was a first base coach when I got those interviews. And I needed to be in that bench coach position to see and really navigate a game and understand how the game is run from this side. And um, I'm glad I got that seat before uh, before I got this job. Now, Skip, this is a, a old person's job. <laughs> uh, like, <laughs> I'm so used to seeing, you know, managers so much older. How, with you being a lot younger, is this going to kind of help this team? Because there's a lot of young players and a lot of guys that need to learn, you know, basically how to play the game and what needs to go into it. Well, I think it's it's all about relationships. I think, you know, Brian Snicker's not young, and he's uh, he's a really good manager, right? right. Um, and then you have Ollie Marmel, who I uh, was a bench coach with last year in St. Louis, who is, I think, the youngest manager in the big mm-hmm. leagues. And we won 90-plus games and, uh, you know, had a really good season with an MVP on our roster. So I think you can uh, win with any aged manager. I think it just boils down to the relationships and managing egos. And can you do both? And um, so I think a big part of what I – in my success as a player and watching, you know, managers go through, um, you know, winning seasons and losing seasons, one had the relationships – one lost the clubhouse. And I think uh, my focus right away from day one is, is building those relationships and, and trying to get the most out of the player every single day. So, uh, Skip, how surprised were you that uh, a guy like Jazz Chisholm came to you 
and suggested his move to center field. Cause when we were speaking with Niner yesterday, he said, that's not very common. A lot of the times, you know, managers or front office have to go convince players to do that. Um, like, so when that, when he broached you with that idea, you know, something that's, you know, best for the team. Yeah, it was pretty cool because that was before the Rojas trade. That was before the Arias trade. That was just, hey, if you need me, I'm willing to do whatever you need me to do to help us win. Um, and when you have your best player willing to do anything to help the team win on every every given day, any given day, you're in a really good spot. It makes this seat a lot easier and a less less hot um, because you just you don't have to convince uh, your best guy to do something he's uncomfortable with. Now, playing center field, is it going to be really easy on him right away? I'm not sure. He's an elite athlete. Um, luckily, we have an extended spring training with the WBC going on that we can get you know, really good work in. Um, but the, the fact that he had his, his mind wrapped around that already before we even made these trades was huge, and um, it's a credit to Jazz. You know, he's ready to win. He's sick of losing. And, um, and I think he's, uh, he's going to be really good, a uh, really good center fielder and, and hopefully an all-star for years to come. As one of your best players, does that not help how you can approach other guys because you have your best player willing to do whatever it takes? Now you can go to a guy, say a younger guy, and say, hey, why don't you try this out or why don't you try this out? And look, Jazz is doing whatever he can to win. We need everybody to be on that same page. Yeah. I mean, that's really how you start, you know, setting a culture. Um, right. And, you know, when you have your best player and, and Sandy and jazz doing whatever it takes to win, wants the ball in all nine innings in Sandy and, and jazz was willing to play, even though he made an all-star uh, team the year before at second base and would probably do it again um, at second base. He's willing to, to be uncomfortable and for our team uh, to, to help, you know, move the needle. I mean, how could you not love that? And mm -hmm. yes, you're absolutely right. It helps conversations down the road when, hey, listen, you know, our best player was willing to move off of his position to help us win some games. Um, I think you can do it too. And by the way, not everybody can do this. Um, right. I do believe that defense is one of the tools, the easier tool to get better at. It just takes makeup and hard work. If you don't have those two genes, it's not going to work out. Not everybody can just move positions. Jazz has that trait. You ask anybody around here, Kent, is he a worker? This guy works. And so that's why there's no doubt in my mind, wherever Jazz goes, he's going to be lead at. I'm sure you're thrilled you don't have to face him anymore uh, in Sandy Alcantara. You mentioned him. I'm, I'm fascinated by this, Skip. We've seen with Sandy, as you mentioned, he likes to go all nine innings. And if he's not allowed to, we have seen him with Don Mattingly in the past. Let it be known he's not happy about coming out. How do you balance that, man? This guy is a horse. He is one of the best players, and he seems to really hate being taken out of games. Have you already had those talks with him? Do you feel like that's something that's going to come along with the season of, of knowing, hey, when is the right time to, to, to ride a guy like Sandy Alcantara and when is the time to, to say, hey, we don't need you to, to, to carry the load all the way? Like, How do you think that relationship is, is uh, going to build throughout this year? Yeah, I think there's a double a couple factors that go into that. You know, the what's the score of the game? You know, there's different factors that obviously that uh, you know I'm not going to ride him when it's eight to one, um, and you know trying to get he's at a hundred pitches already, and you're you're saving him down the, the line. But I will tell you that I want all five pitchers trying to go nine innings. That's the goal, right? To eat up innings to save our bullpen. That is the goal. Quick outs. Um, 
Sandy's a horse. I want him to be pissed off when I take the ball. I want Lizardo to be pissed off and Rodgers to be pissed off and whoever else, Cueto to be pissed off. Um, I played with Johnny Cueto in 2014 and 15. He's not happy coming out of the game either. Great. That's what I want. Um, Wainwright last year, not happy. Miles, Michael is not happy. That's the culture you want. You want these guys to be on the mound, the biggest spots. They let them control the game and say, this game is mine. I don't want it to give it. I don't want it to give it to anybody else. However, when I do take the ball and give it to somebody else, now they're the biggest cheerleader for that guy who's on the mound. So I think it's a fine line uh, as far as that's good, but you want that competitor. I want that guy on the mound and, and Sandy, it's going to be tough to take the ball out of his hands at any time. Um, in fact, I remember after that, I think it was in Philly, um, we played them uh, in St. Louis a couple weeks later, and Donnie went out in the ninth inning with guys on first and second in a 4-3 game, and he let him go, and then he got a double play ball uh, to end the game, a complete game in St. Louis. Um, so, listen, you just you don't know where he's at physically when, you know, when Donnie did that. Um, I had Donnie, great manager. I loved him every, you know, every moment I had with him. But I think you watch the game and you understand the player before you make any moves. Are those some of the moments during like the course of a season where your relationship grows with your players is that you get a good feel of things like that and you make the right decisions as far as when to take them out, when to leave them in and everybody else either on that staff or on the field says, hey, you know what? This guy, this guy's guy knows what he's doing. Um, yeah. yeah, the play. I mean, the, you're throughout the season. You start trusting the player more, the player less. Right? That's right. just how it works. They earn your trust. Can I trust him three and four times through the lineup? And then you have conversations with your pitching staff, um, your bench coach, and then you watch with your eyes. There's always pregame meetings and like, okay, if Sandy gives us six innings, who do we go to? Well, Sandy might take us to seventh and eighth, and then you just watch it and you see how he's throwing the ball and see the crispness of his ball and whoever that is on the mound. Um, so I think you always have a game plan, but the beauty about this game is it's never scripted, right? Very rarely does it go exactly how you think it's going to go in your pregame meetings. I think you're prepared for it to go a certain way, but you always are hopeful that you know they, they exceed your expectations. We're talking to Skip Schumacher, New Marlins manager, Marlins Fan Fest coming up this Saturday at Lone Depot Park. We're looking forward to being out there for spring training in Jupiter coming up in a couple of weeks as well. Uh, Skip, I wanted to ask you about this. Uh, so you have a great video of an argument you've gotten into with an umpire as a bench coach when you were with San Diego. It was actually against the Marlins. How much are you looking forward to uh, your first managerial umpire argument? And what is the thing that will set you off the most of these umpires that can be very sensitive? Yeah, you know, that was my first career ejection as a player. <laughs> and two years later, here I am uh, as the as a manager for the Marlins. So, uh, you know, honestly, I've known Doug Eddings for a long time. He was the, the, um, the umpire behind the plate that night. And I, just, I had enough. And I couldn't take it anymore. Um, and I think, um, you know, when you got to defend your players, the players have to know that you have their back. That's number one. As soon as you don't, the players don't feel that you've lost them. And by the way, you've lost them forever, right? It's not just right. that night. As soon as they sense that you don't have their back, you're done. And um, I can tell you that I will have their back um, at all times. Um, Cause I always felt that as a player with every single manager I had, um, which is a testament to those guys, starting with Tony LaRussa. Um, so I think, um, I, am I looking forward to it? 
my family's not looking forward to it. Uh, that's for sure. Um, but I know it's going to happen. Um, I'm not going to give you an over or under of like how many times I'm going to get tossed, but I do have a hair trigger, unfortunately. And, uh, but I think with all these new rules and everything, it, there's a lot less of the ejections than there used to be. Um, so I, I, I don't think it's as many times as a lot of people think. So no stealing a base. Like you're not going to steal a base or maybe throw a, ros- <laughs> throw a rosin bag like we'll a grenade. Throw, we'll throw a base I don't know. I don't know if I can lift it. And they're a lot bigger than they used to be. Like, really, yeah, no, I don't know if I can do that anymore. Now, I, most of the time when managers get kicked or, or get ejected, it's because a player is getting ready to get ejected. And they go ahead on and, ta- and, and jump on that hand grenade for them. Uh, that's mostly where that goes, right? It, it's more of protecting your player from him getting ejected. And you go ahead on to take the L4. Yeah, you're trying to save the player. You never want to get, um, you know, I don't want to get Segura kicked out. I don't want him out of the game. I'd rather be out right. of the game or my bench coach or my pitching coach out of the game and not Sandy or Segura or Jazz, right? I mean, you're, you're definitely always protecting the player. But again, that goes back to having their back and jumping in before, you know, stuff hits the fan. And I think that's that's going to be, a, you know, a big part of a rookie manager is knowing that cl- that clubhouse has to know that I have their back and, um, and, and always going to protect them, you know, at any given time. Uh, how have you uh, been practicing the, the first day of spring training speech? How's that going for you? Um, I I think, you know, my 20 plus years of, you know, listening to speeches given by some hall of fame managers, I don't remember too much of them, um, which, you know, which makes me a lot more comfortable because unless you really screw it up, a lot of those guys are just like, all right, get this thing over with. I want to get on the field. Let's start playing baseball. Right. And, uh, so I'm not overthinking it. Um, it's just going to be a couple quick hitters and I'm done. Are you like, do you, uh, with Skip being a young manager, but you've crossed eras, like you've seen like how young players probably consume the game. Like jazz is a very active guy on social media. He will uh, let himself, if he is happy about something or upset about something, it'll be out there on social media. How do you think you're going to navigate that? Like the idea of, you know, guys are engaged all the time on their phones and things like that. Uh, How have you noticed that, that change with players, you know, not to make, you know, not your years through the game. Yeah, I think players uh, nowadays um, are trying to build their brand, right? I mean, I think there's life outside of baseball, and that's okay too because um, you get to let the fans know who you are as a person and you're not just a baseball player. Um, you have a, you're, a, you're a human being. You have a personality. And, um, you know, if you want to, you know, say some stuff on social media, you have to also understand there's some repercussions. Um, you know, how's that going to affect us as a team? How's that going to affect teammates, um, you know, personal relationships. So, um, and that's not jazz. That's, that's everybody in the league and, and every sport. Um, so that's the stuff, you know, before you hit send is, is, is it going to affect our team, our organization? Because honestly you want to eliminate distractions and BS, right? You just don't want to have any distractions. If we're really in it to win every single day, then you have to eliminate the distractions, um, so I think there's probably some, a lot of these young kids or some learning curve and some growing up, um, to do in our gener- uh, this new generation, my son's 15 years old, he's on social media. Um, and you know, there's a lot of like talks of, about social media and what that can do and affect not only your life forever, um, but you know, to your team and your school and whatever that means. So, um, I think as long as it doesn't have, it, uh, there's no distractions inside of our clubhouse, you know, I got no issues with it. 
A couple more before we get you out of here. A couple quick hitters here. Skip, Skip, Schumacher, New Marlins manager. Get out to FanFest this Saturday, guys. Starts at 1 o'clock at Lone Depot Park. They got a lot of fun stuff. Jeff Conine, big announcement. No one will tell us. Skip Schumacher's a lockbox. He won't tell us. (laughs) So it must be something good coming out. Uh, What is the weirdest thing Skip Schumacher has done to get out of a slump? (laughs) I'm not sure if I can say that on here. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I was very superstitious. Um, I did all kinds of different things. Um, as a player, if you saw my, you know, batting routine, um, that, you know, I had to like do my certain my batting gloves a certain way and line them up the Velcro exactly, you know, in line, if it was crooked at all, I should readjust. I don't think that the pace of play right now would not go well with me. Um, I do have a strike called quite often. Um, but I, I do think that, um, some of the pregame, uh, rituals just changed, uh, honestly. And, um, but I, I like as far as like the weirdest, strangest thing I've ever done. Um, <laughs> I would have to get gas if I got a hit and I got gas out. I'd have to stop at fifty five, or I wouldn't stop the gas if I if I started getting hits. Yeah, so I'd have to go to the gas tank and go, you know, go to twenty fifty five. I'd have to stop at fifty five and then and then go to the field. So there's some weird stuff. But yeah, I'd do anything for hits. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, it's such a long season. It's understandable. <laughs> I used I used to have stuff like that, but then I put my mouthpiece in and got hit and then forgot about it. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And uh what is the uh what is the favored uh dugout snack? What are you what are you tearing through as a game is going on? Are you gum guy, Are you a seeds guy? What what is uh what is uh you consuming as the game going up goes on? Coffee. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah, I love coffee. Um I like just just black coffee, man. Like I just crush it all day long, all night. Um, yeah. And I can go right to bed. It's not a great thing. Um, but I love the taste of it. And yeah, the seeds like make a mess. I'll mix in some gum because my breath starts stinking. Right. Like I don't want my bench coach thinking, you know, starting moving away. Um, but so like gum and coffee are like the, the, the two things that I'll, I'll have during the game. Have you been introduced to the Cuban coffee down here? Have people given you that rocket fuel yet? Oh, yeah. So I played in Venezuela in winter ball for three months. And then I played for Team USA in Cuba. Um, oh. So uh, very aware of the Cuban coffee. And there's Did a- you make the mistake that I did? And they give you the little cafecito cup and you're like, no, Phil, give me the big one. What are you doing? Thank God, no. Yes. <laughs> That's not a mistake, Leroy. <laughs> yeah, because there is a, so much sugar in that. And you are you're ready to roll. There is a crashing element to that. Yeah. Too. Uh, so I had to take another one uh, after my first one in like the seventh inning. So it gets you going, but then yeah. you got to keep going. You can't stop. Yeah. Uh, Skip, so thanks so much for the time. We really appreciate, appreciate it. it. Thank Congratulations. you. Congratulations. We're looking forward to spring training and uh, go check out the Marlins this weekend. Fan Fest is Saturday from 1 p.m. to 6 p.m. A lot of meet and greets, a lot of interactive games, behind the scenes tours. And, uh, you know, Skip Schumacher sounds like we're in good hands, man. Good luck this year. Yeah, you guys were great. Thanks for having me on. Thanks. Yeah, we appreciate it. Thank you so much. Uh, we'll take a quick break. We'll get you caught up with your headlines, some cat talk coming out. We got rats off a ship. And uh, back with more for this. Tobin and Leroy here with you on 560 WQAM. 
Thanks again to Skip Schumacher for joining the show. Appreciate him. He really, uh, like, when he said he couldn't tell us what the slump thing was, because obviously, you know, the, the stopping on 55 was cute. That obviously is not the first thing that came to Oh, us. hell no. It, 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 no we know. We, we know. knew he was wearing, like, he was wearing, like, uh, yeah, uh, like a thong, thong on. Yeah. A thong, slump buster or something. He's married and got kids now. Yeah. You don't want to get into it. Yeah. The, the baseball, they love the nude. Okay. That's just what goes on. And, and like it, it, whether it's Mike Redman hitting batting practice naked, even Jeter came out this week and said he used a gold thong. Like definitely the first thing came into his mind. It was either some kind of underwear, some kind of minor league slump buster. But look, some some are left for the book. Some are some some stories are left for are left for the Skip Schumacher memoir. I like him. It was a very pleasant conversation. I liked him too. Yeah. You guys are focusing on the wrong thing, though. What's that? The Marlins. Are hiring some handsome individuals, man. He's handsome, huh? <laughs> He's handsome. <laughs> Jeff Goldnine's handsome. handsome. My God, that guy was a looker. Also, wow. all right. He ain't got he ain't got a speck of hair on him. Man, is he the only? Uh, is is he the the only the manager with an arm sleeve tattoo? Oh, is, he, is it like it's we're getting be, to that? Man. We're getting to that age now. It's like yeah, all right, yeah, you know. Couldn't imagine Jack McKeon rocking that. Like Jack McKeon, if he has a tattoo, it's like probably one of like an anchor up on his sleeve somewhere. Up here. <laughs> I like it because he fought in like World War Two or something. So he got like uh, a Marines tattoo or something. You know what I like about got- Skip too? He talks normally. You know, yeah. like I don't have the Mike McDaniel long oh, thinking about like- every second. Spo too. Spo well, will hit you, you with know- a um. You know what that is, though? I think that has to do with because he's not that far removed from playing. Yeah. You know what I mean? So he hasn't developed that yet. No. Yeah. It's, I mean, like, he's right there. And, you know, <laughs> it had to be interesting. Like, last year, he was the bench coach for St. Louis for Albert Pujols. He played with Albert Pujols on some championship teams. Right. Like, yeah, that's a that's that, that full circle thing. I'm trying stuff. to think. That happened to me. With Ozzy? Um, I played with Ozzy Newsom. Right, and he got rid of me. I'm like, wow. Say, I kind of had to. I said, I had. A, I said, I told him, I kind of had a feeling you had this in the holster there, buddy. Been waiting for this, huh? Waiting for this, huh? Uh, Kyrie Irving is he's making his debut tonight. Yeah, like yeah. That's, uh tonight with the Mavericks. I saw yesterday. But Luca's not playing, so you're not going to get the what? No, yeah, Luca tonight. Luca's been out. Maybe he got the ankle. Oh, that's right. I forgot yeah. about that. Right. No Luca. All yeah. right. Well, that's a bummer. I want to see the see what well, that looks like together. Trade deadlines tomorrow. All we need to know is this from our Heat insider. And I don't know if you're an insider or not, but you're always boots on the ground. So something could accidentally fall your way. Yep. What are the Heat gonna do b- before tomorrow? If you had to make a guess, is Kyle Lowry playing on Friday for the Heat or not? I think he will be playing for the Heat, but not on Friday. I feel like he's going to do this whole I'm hurt thing, but he'll be back next. He'll be back for the Nuggets game. So you say the Heat are going to make no moves. I don't think so, dude. I don't know. I don't the same way, unfortunately. Which means get ready for a big splash. Wow. Because let me tell you, tell me if I'm wrong. Mm. Every time we've gone into a trade deadline like this, they've made a bunch of moves. Um, 
I mean, the last secretive about it. The last big one they made was the Igadala Jay Crowder for Justice Winslow. That was like the bat, the last big midseason pickup, and they both turned out to be very important moves for Iggy and and Jay. And Justice basically didn't play for the for the for the Grizz. Remember, yeah, that Grizzlies hat just like handy. I was like, where did he get that Grizzlies hat? Whose team is he? He's still playing, but who is? He's on the Blazers. On the Blazers, that's right. He's on the Blazers. I don't know if he's healthy yet. I think he was doing the ankle thing. How's Precious Precious doing? And they like him in Toronto, right? I don't think he's having that great a year. I mean, Toronto's not having that great a year. That's but, why. That's why everybody's kind of looking at them as the team. Remember, we talked about the Siakam yeah, thing. Like, part, yeah, that like everybody thought they were going to be making this big leap. Remember, they like wouldn't put Scotty Barnes apparently in in trade talks for Kevin Durant, and he's taking a step back this year. So ten point six rebounds this year for Precious. That's that's all right. Bench player. He had a nice little stretch towards the Didn't end. Didn't he of have January. like twenty five rebounds against the Heat this year? That does sound vaguely familiar. Actually, I feel like he had like a giant rebounding game against the Heat this year. He runs like you know who he runs like. Hmm. He runs like Napoleon Dynamite. He doesn't pump his arms. <laughs> he just, like he does when you watch Precious run. He runs without pumping his arms. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like uh, I feel like if I if I I don't know. I don't feel like I don't feel the vibes of a move, man. I don't know. Maybe you're right. Maybe I maybe Riles is, is every cooking. time. Because let me tell you, when they traded for Shaq, did you know it? Did you even sense it? Big surprise. Right, right. I'm telling you, that's how they do it. That's how they do it. But who though, Leroy? Like who? I- Dude, I'm no. telling you. Leroy I'm just wants him you, to be above the height of 6'11". I, I know <laughs> the heat, when nobody thinks they're going to do anything, all hell breaks loose. And, and my lying told me, am I lying? When we talk about trades, they never happen. I mean, like, look, they could be laying in the weeds. That's why you always get caught with your foot in your mouth. With these trades, never wanted him. Dodging a bullet. Oh, no, didn't want him. Dude, dude, don't like him. And next thing you know, that guy's on the team. Because huh. guess what? You assumed it wasn't going to happen. And well, that's not true. What happened was there was a lot of Kyle Lowry noise two seasons ago that he was going to get traded to the Heat in the middle of the year. And then I said after he didn't get traded here, I may have said never wanted him. And then he ended up on the heat three months later. What about Jimmy Butler? That's not the same because I wanted Jimmy Butler right from the Timberwolves. There was a lot of noise around that trade. Remember that we got the whole new, I didn't Sedano report that he told, uh, that he told uh, Thibodeau to bleep off or something like that. Um, and then he ends up going to Philly because Tom Thibodeau is being greedy. Although it ended up working out because I think they wanted Bam for Jimmy Butler back then. And so we may have dodged a bullet and then Jimmy Butler goes to Philly and there was this report about him getting into it with Brett Brown. And I said on a show one time, we may have dodged a bullet, but I didn't know that they were liars in Philadelphia. It takes here. Let me tell you, there are certain people in sports that you don't get the full picture of who that person is from afar. Right. And, And I tell you this all the time. Until you hear another player say it, I don't care what an organization has to say. Case in point, there has never been a player to say anything bad about Randy Moss. But for some reason, everybody pictured him as a malcontent, 
as a, a, a guy that's killing the locker room. And that simply was not true. Yeah. I mean, like what there were players who didn't seem to vibe with Jimmy. They just happened to be mopes. There were, there were young kids who didn't want to work. That's right. That like, let's put it out there. So what if your star player holds you accountable? That's what it, that's what they're there for. Those players that you have in your locker room, there's certain guys that are there to make sure that you play a certain way and play the way the organization demands. UD is one of those guys. Of course. Right. So, so no, it, it, like, I don't, I, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. So wh- when people say certain things, now I will give you the other side of that is T.O. Everybody like, yeah, man. Yeah. It's rough. Well, we'll take a quick break. Time to get to our favorite Wednesday game. Toman off a ship. No, dude, it's called rats off a ship. I'm not a rat. Oh, rats off a ship. Back after this. Time to get to our favorite Wednesday game, ladies and gentlemen. Rats off a ship. Rats off a ship. Hey, Rock Legends, Rob Zombie and Alice Cooper are coming to the I Think Financial Amphitheater in August. It's the Freaks on Parade Tour. For your chance to win tickets, enter online at WQM.com. Those tickets courtesy of Live Nation. Uh, Let us hand it on over to Jay Fig, and she will tell us what topics today are we ratting on. Today we are ratting on anyone catching LeBron James and scoring record. Man. I'm rats off a ship. I don't even think with a three-point shot. I don't know. You'd have to play so long and be so healthy, be built like a Greek god. You know, like, I guess, I mean, scoring is up. Cam Thomas is scoring 40 points a game. I mean, he's on the way. If he keeps this up, he could do it in 10 years. No chance. (laughs) But that, and, and I think that's the thing that goes really unspoken about. Like, this guy's averaging thirty points as a thirty-seven-year-old. Yeah, that, like come on, come on. Yeah, like come on, it, dude. It's a crazy thing. It's a, right? it's a, it, it, it seems impossible that anybody's ever going to catch this guy. It, hey, Michael Jordan said he could get out of bed and score twenty. LeBron says he could get out of bed and score thirty. It, it, you have to have the right yeah. mix of like. You know, you got to be a freak of nature. You have to be a a small dude. You have to be a freak. You have to, you know, and and honestly, one of the things is like his three point shot did get better as his career went on. That's the thing people don't give him credit for. He was not. He was Giannis coming into the league. Yeah. And then he developed all the other aspects of his game. The only difference between Giannis and LeBron when they first started was even as a young player, LeBron was more of a facilitator, right? But developing that jump shot and developing that fadeaway and that three-point shot, that's all things he's worked on as his career progressed. His career low was his rookie year. He averaged 21 points a game. As, like, a, as an 18-year-old. As an 18-year-old. Right, as an 18-year-old. That's not a, Right. 
He's now averaged 30 in back-to-back seasons. I don't know, man. That seems Who impossible. does that? Like, that's seems, crazy. Seems impossible. Um, I don't know. I don't think so. Rats off a ship. I'm going to say rats off a ship because I know I won't be alive. This is- <laughs> so I won't know. Maybe if they had a four-point shot one day. I don't need to think that because you're only talking about a handful of guys. Here's the, the, the thing. If Steph Curry could play like Steph Curry has the last 10 years, but he was hurt when he came into the league. Yep. And didn't really start playing like that. Keep in mind, Steph Curry's first extension was like, what, four years, 50 million? He wasn't making that big money because he was banged up. I mean, Steph Curry's 34. He's at 21,000 points. Right. At 34. So at, at age 34. So he's already been in the league, what, 12 years? So he's going to need. So like in four more years. Yeah, I don't think so. Right. It's not. And, and, and keep in mind that anybody who will reach him. So I'm looking at somebody like Giannis. Right, who who came into the league and and was always able to get to the basket and get easy buckets, right? Those are the type of guys that are going to be able to do it to where they can score thirty without shooting the ball. There's yeah. only a handful of guys that can do that, but you also got to be able to play twenty plus years. Yeah, like Dirk got to thirty one thousand, but he looked like a zombie the last two, two, right. three years of his career. Right. Think about how old was 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 um, he when he retired? Dirk, I think 36? he was. Yeah, I think he was. Let's see, Dirk is. Well, he's forty four now, so he would have been thirty nine when he retired. Thirty nine. Right. Jay Fig, what about your rats? My rats are swimming. Yeah, rat, rat, Marcos. Rats off the ship. I'm going to give you some quick numbers. I know we spent extended time on topic number one, so I'll give it to you quick. This is why no one will ever catch LeBron James. First three seasons, the games played 79, 80, and 79. I'm looking at the young scorers, the John Morant and Lucas of the league. 67 games played, 63 games, 57 games played for the first three seasons. If anyone's going to come close, uh, Luka is close in points, but even then, LeBron James... Luca feels like the Luca fe- unless Luca gets through unless Luca turns into like a physical specimen exactly just gonna break down as long yep. as he just gets into sh- if he gets into serious shape then maybe maybe, maybe. Yeah. but he's the only guy who feels like he's got a shot who's playing right now but the other thing is these guys aren't rim rockers like no LeBron but he can get to the rim get to the rim. He's the only guy who's got a shot. Like, if you told me there's one guy in the league, he's the only guy I would pick because of age. And, and keep in mind that a lot of these guys coming to the league, they lose a year. That LeBron like, didn't lose. LeBron got 1,600 points before they even got into the league. So right. because he got that one extra year. Yeah, Luka's the only guy I feel like has a shot. And because he came in that young and was that good right away. Nah, I don't too think late. so. You got to start off hot. Too late. You got to start late. off right. on top, kind of. Yeah, thing. Joker was a uh, Joker I mean, was like a second round pick. I yeah. mean, and 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 to be honest with you, neither did um, you know, a Giannis. Giannis yep. didn't start right, right. and yeah. which is you know when you think of like somebody like Kobe, right, who's a prolific scorer, he didn't start. He came right out of high school. He didn't start 
like LeBron did in his career. It took a couple of two or three years. Uh, what about number two, JFig? Kyrie Irving saying he felt disrespected by Brooklyn. <sighs> I mean, rats off a ship, rat, dude. Rat, like, rats off a ship. Seems to me like it was a mutually disrespectful relationship. I would have to say that. I, I don't think I could sit here and say that you were disrespected by Brooklyn. They did offer you a contract two years ago. You shot it down, didn't play basketball for a year, and then things kind of went awry. I can't sign up for him saying he felt disrespected. I think that the, the lack of respect was going both ways pretty highly. I would say this. Kyrie is a star. He's an elite basketball player. But to expect with what has happened the last two or three years in Brooklyn, to expect somebody to just give you a three or four year deal worth 40 or 50 million with what has transpired. I think you've been a little disrespectful to them. That being said, everything that he's done is what most professional basketball players or most franchises would do at this moment. He's going to be a free agent, get something for him. If you don't know if you're going to resign him, and you move on. That's the deal with Kyrie. He can put whatever twist he wants on it. They have been very clear. They didn't want to get rid of Kyrie, but Kyrie had a set of rules that came in. Oh, you got to extend me. Otherwise, I want out. Okay, bye. J-Fig? I'm still swimming with this. Rats off a shit. Rats off. What about you, Marcos? Same. Two athletes, I'm over. Antonio Brown, Kyrie. I just don't want to hear it anymore. Antonio Brown? He has played football in what? He's he's blaming James Harrison about CTE like two days ago. I'm like, all right, dude. He did what? He blamed James Harrison for his CTE because he said that he wore an illegal practice helmet. That was like one or two days ago, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think Leroy was either at the doctor or with Cleveland or something. But yeah, we were talking about that with James Harris. He blamed James Harrison for his CTE. I'm just over it. I don't want to hear from any of them anymore. Didn't they play on the same team? (laughs) He said it happened in practice. What was he... Covering him? Uh-huh. Like, what, what is Chase Harris going to be covering Antonio Brown? He didn't go into great detail, Leroy. Yeah, He's exactly. Antonio Brown. For sure. But yeah, rats off a of shit, long story short. Rat, rat, rats off a of shit. J-Fig, number three? <laughs> Scooby, okay. number three? Scooby, that's the third one. <laughs> Chugging a beer from Cooper Manning's boots. What? Cooper, man. Patrick Mahomes <laughs> promised right. to do it if the Chiefs won. Uh, <sighs> you know, I feel like if I got a drink from a boot, it's got to be one of the good Mannings, not Cooper. Co- that's right. <laughs> Cooper's boot, dude. Rats off a ship on Cooper Manning's boot. If it was Peyton, I would definitely do it. Be like, oh, let's do it, Peyton. Let's party. Exactly. No, no, wait. Am I the only one that just thinks it's nasty to drink a beer out of anybody's boot. Nah, it's kind of very cool. Australian. If, if, it's, if it's a famous boot, though, you can tolerate it. So that's called it's a shoey? That's a shoey? Yeah. But that's a, a shoey, essentially, yeah. If it's a boot, do we call it a First booty? Ball. Minus one. Uh, yeah, I already had a red. <laughs> I had a red. <laughs> had a red. Good. <laughs> At least you know. A booty? That already exists in the water, by the way. No, a booty, not a buoy. 
All right, minus one She's again. She's very distracted. Minus one. Yeah, pay attention, J-Fink. <laughs> She's got a... She's got a... Look, Scooby saw food, and now he's going nuts. I'm sorry, guys. Cocaine okay. dogs. <laughs> so, I am... Uh, definitely rats off a ship. I don't rat, care rat, who rat, off a ship. it is. I'm not celebrating a Super Bowl championship drinking out of nobody's shoe. Oof. That's no thanks. Very disgusting. Oof. Very disgusting. Uh... Marcos, your boot. Rats off a ship. I agree, Leroy. Just give me a cup. Rat, rat, rats off a ship. Scooby, what do you think? You know how much I love boots, guys, but I will not drink anything out of a boot. That's <laughs> gross. Rat, rat, rats <laughs> rats off, a off a ship. What's uh, topic number four, J-Fig? Philly cheesesteaks at your Super Bowl party. Mm. Reportedly the most searched food before the big game. Yeah, you get that Eagles theme party. You know, you have a Philly cheese. I don't know. I mean, Philly cheese for a party. Rats off a ship. I feel like I have a lot of better options. Let me explain something to you. As a person who has had several of these events, I call them events at the Horde household. Shindigs. You want people to get in line, grab and go. Okay? You can't do that with a Philly cheese. Right. If you cut it in small pieces, the meat falls. Somebody get more meat than the other one. No, you go with ribs, wings, hamburgers, hot dogs, the basic grab and go food items that you can eat. Anybody who's making a Philly cheese that is not from Philly, you're a damn fool. <laughs> Uh, J-Fig, what about you? Would you have a Philly cheese at your Super Bowl party? Philly cheese? No, I will have whatever Roy was serving last year because it was amazing. And furthermore, a big fat zero to anybody if I come over to your house and you have a damn charcuterie board or whatever that is. I'm not over there to snack on cheese, damn it! (laughs) Cheese is awesome, though. No! No! I agree, though. It's an adult lunchable. Are you yelling at me? Okay. Yes, it's an adult lunchable. It's just a big old lunchable. Marcos, don't act like you don't eat lunchables. I do eat lunchables, though. I mean, I'm not saying it's not bad. Wait, 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 wait till you have your kid. Wait till you have your kid. And y'all sharing food. Yeah, well, I pay the bills around here, right? Wait, as soon as you have a kid, you know what you're going to be known as? The finisher. Yeah. Because all the food your kid don't eat, you just going to finish. Solid. Uh, Marcos, Philly cheese party. Rats. I'm actually not rats off a ship because I love Philly cheesesteaks. Let me get sliders. Philly cheesesteak slider. Just think about it. You know, you can just cut one into four. Put a toothpick in it. Just put a toothpick in it. There you go. Leroy hates sliders. Come on. Philly cheese sliders. It's too much bread. Just put a toothpick (laughs) in it. (laughs) It's too much bread. The meat to bread ratio is way off with a slider. (laughs) Yeah, it's okay. I eat garlic rolls. That's a lot of bread. That's only bread. I don't like garlic rolls. Garlic knots, garlic twists, garlic rolls. You don't like no. garlic knots? Yeah. What? What are you, a vampire? No, you didn't. Fangs up, Leroy. Don't they have, I have garlic for knots? A the knots? You've seen them, right? Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, twisted. Pretty good. That is Rats Off a Ship. We will get you uh, caught up with your headlines. Coming up next. <laughs> 